0: hey thanks so much for choosing the haven house of revival sermon of the week we pray that this sermon impacts your heart and it inspires you to change your life and the world around you for god please enjoy the message so good yeah we're gonna dismiss kids and then we'll probably have them come back up I'll I'll have someone go down and get them for when we do the baptism because I think it's important for the kids to see what's happening and some kids are getting baptized today so we wanna they want to be a part of that and see that too so if any of you are wondering where Jeff is this morning well I should introduce myself to those who are visiting my name is Wendy And I am part of the leadership team. My husband and I help lead with with some other wonderful people, this House of Revival. And my husband was supposed to speak this morning and do the baptism, but he's sick. So he went to, I sent him to the walk-in this morning, because I was like, you got to go, because it just wasn't getting better. So he texted me. He's like, well, I have a sinus infection, an ear infection, and a chest infection. Oops, that's not good. And he so wanted to come. Like, this was like my hospital time with him in the stroke. Like, some of you know he had a stroke in the hospital where he was begging to come to church. I'm like, You can't come. And I had to tell him this morning, You can't come. You're not well. And so he was, he's just bummed out. He, he loves being with you. And so if you wouldn't remember him in prayer, and there are others. There, there is, you know, it's that season, right? Fall, school, everything just starts to, germs and stuff start being passed around. So I know that there are others within our church family that aren't well. So if you just remember to pray for them, we pray health and strength over this home. We walk in divine health. That is our inheritance. And so Jeff, uh, last night, he was supposed to speak, and he was like, I'm still going to speak. He could hardly talk. And I'm like, no, you're not. And so I had to go into the office and um, ask God to please help me. <laughs> and he's faithful, and he, and he does. And so I'm excited this morning to share about um, baptism. And we're going to talk about why we get baptized, what what needs to happen before one is baptized, Um, what happens when we are baptized, what's it all about. And so just to give a good understanding and revelation, because revelation leads to what? Transformation. Revelation leads to what? Transformation. And so I'm just praying today that through the worship you were touched that revelation came to you. And let me tell you that if you didn't sign up for baptism today, guess what? You can still be baptized. I know we make it this formal thing where, like, sign up if you want to be baptized, and it's every couple of months. But you know what? You can be baptized today even if you didn't sign up. And I, I prayed coming in that the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to people's hearts because it's not me forcing, coercing, or manipulating you into baptism. That's not what it's about. It's about the Spirit of God bringing revelation to your heart about why you need to be baptized. And so we have extra shirts and shorts in all sizes in the office area. And I would encourage you that if this is something, if you feel that tugging on your heart, you know it because your heart starts going, you get sweaty, you're like, you start freaking out. You know that the Lord is speaking to you. And I would encourage you to be obedient to that still small voice. So know that at any time during this, as I'm speaking and as we start the baptism, if that's something you want, you can be baptized today. Okay? So this morning, I'm so excited. We're celebrating with those who have chosen to publicly declare their love for Jesus by being baptized in water. And so, as I was praying about it, God took me to a story that probably isn't really, maybe it is, I don't know, but preached about or spoken about when it's Baptism Sunday. And it's actually in Acts 16. And it's the story of Paul and Silas. That's a baptism story? Oh yeah, it can be. It is this morning. Right? God uses anything. So this morning we're going to look at the story of Paul and Silas. And so if you just bow your heads and close your eyes and we'll just, let me pray before I start. God, I just thank you so much for your presence that is here in this place. I thank you for your love that is here in this place. And I ask Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to all of our hearts, not just some, all of our hearts, and we would open our hearts to be spoken to. I ask, God, that you would bring revelation to our hearts about water baptism, about obedience, about our life as as children of yours, God. And that you would speak today. And I pray for those that are here this morning that have not been water baptized, that you would speak to them in your still small voice, in your words of kindness and love. We come against lies of the enemy this morning. I just tell him to be quiet in Jesus' name. That are speaking to some and saying, This isn't for you, you don't need to, you're not good enough. This doesn't mean anything. This is just religion. I silence you in the name of Jesus. I bind you and I tell you to leave now. And I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Paul and Silas. If you know the story, Paul and Silas find themselves in jail. And why were they in jail? Well, they they were traveling and speaking and they came into a town and this girl was demon-possessed and kept following them and crying out and bothering them. And finally, Paul had enough and he just turned around and he cast out the demon. And you think, well, that's awesome. Well, it wasn't awesome to her owners because she was making money for them. And so because of that, they brought Paul and Silas in front of a judge, and the judge had them beaten and put into jail. What a great day, eh? And so we open the story with Paul and Silas sitting in jail, in the middle of the jail, with chains around them locked up, and they're sitting there complaining to one another. That's right. And it made me think of like some of us who find ourselves in positions where we feel a bit chained up and a bit uh, bound with fear and anxiety and lies and different hurts and or difficulties in life. We find ourselves in a situation that we didn't expect to find ourselves in. And many of us, and, some, and I'm included, find ourselves sitting there complaining. Where are you, God? Like I thought if I said yes to you that everything would be okay and that life would be great. Like I thought that when, I, when God called Jeff and I to medicine hat, I got mad. That was my first reaction. I got mad at him, and I yelled at God, and yes, you can yell at God, He's not afraid. I yelled at him, and I told him, how could you? Do you not know what happened? Do you not remember? And when I finally said yes, because he said, I'm not afraid of your questions, but at some point, you're going to have to trust me. So I said, okay, I trust you. And so I come, and then... I'm not going to go into everything, but other stuff started happening, and I got mad again. I'm like, God, I told you that I didn't want this to happen again, and it's happening again, and what's happening here? I said, yes, I was obedient. I did what you asked me to. But that was the wrong reaction. (laughs) So here we have Paul and Silas sitting in jail, chained up, and instead of complaining and airing out their grievances one to another, they are singing And they are praying. That spoke to me when I read that. It was like, that needs to be my reaction in every circumstance I find myself in. Like today when we were singing, you are good. Because for some of us, our circumstances don't look very good right now. Our bank account doesn't look very good right now. Our families don't look very good right now. My health doesn't look very good right now. My emotional and mental state doesn't look very good right now. And our reaction needs to be, as Paul and Silas demonstrated, one of prayer and singing. You are good. It's declaring truth instead of feelings. And so that's what Paul and Silas are doing. And what happens is they're prayer, as they are singing and praying, all the prisoners are listening to them. So they're not alone in that jail. They've got other prisoners, and they're listening to Paul and Silas praying and singing to God in the midst of this dark, stinky prison, where many of others who are there are there for probably the right reason, some there probably not for the right reason like Paul and Silas and suddenly as they are praying and singing there what happens a big earthquake and the doors of the prison fly open and the chains come off when we pray when we choose to pray and sing in the middle of circumstances it shifts the atmosphere If you don't believe me, maybe it's because you haven't tried it. It shifts the atmosphere. It shifts something in us. And the doors flew open, and the chains fell off of every prisoner that was there. And the jailer, who was supposed to be keeping watch, was asleep. And he wakes up, and he starts freaking out. Because he thinks that everyone has escaped. And now he's going to be killed. And something amazing happened. As I, like it was just a revelation, and I'm sure some of you have had this revelation, but I was reading it, I was like, something happened from the time that Paul and Silas started singing to the time of the earthquake that these other prisoners didn't run away and escape. They sat there, even though they were free to go. It was the presence of God and the testimony of what Paul and Silas were doing. Something changed in their hearts in that time period. I believe that, that they were so in awe of the presence of God. They had encountered an almighty God that they didn't want to move. And so the jailer, thinking that he is going to be killed, takes out a spear, a sword to kill himself. And like, I looked this morning in the Bible, and it doesn't say he was in front of Paul and Silas. So I'm thinking that Paul and Silas had a word of knowledge because they're in the middle of the jail, and, and the, we don't know where the jailer was, but Paul and Silas, they knew what was happening, and they, they cried out, stop! Everyone is here! and the jailer was amazed so this we're going to pick it up at verse 29 i'm reading out of the passion the jailer called for a light and when he ass- when he saw that they were still in their cells he rushed in and fell trembling at their feet then he led paul and silas outside and asked what must I do to be saved? The, the jailer was so overwhelmed with what had just transpired. And he was overwhelmed with the presence of God. See, when the presence of God comes in, everyone knows. Whether you recognize it as, a, as the presence of God or not, you know something has just entered the room that is greater than yourself. And you have one or two reactions, right? You fall on your knees in worship and adoration, or you are very aware of your inadequacy to be standing in the presence of an almighty God. There comes a realization that something in me is not worthy to be standing here in his presence. There is a separation between me and this presence of God. There's a realization of something in your heart. And so that's what happened. The jailer encountered the presence of God, the the love of the Father. The open doors opened the jailer's heart. And so he goes in and he asks Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? See, the Holy Spirit was drawing on this man's heart. He was convicting this jailer. Now, when we, a lot of us hear the word convicting, we hear condemnation. And that is the enemy. If you feel condemnation, it is from the enemy. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction, but he brings it in such kindness and love that you can do nothing else but accept it. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are not in Christ Jesus when the Holy Spirit comes. There's conviction. He he does convict. Romans talks about it's his kindness that leads to repentance. It is always the kindness of God that will lead you to repentance. See, Paul and Silas didn't have to manipulate this jailer. They didn't have to preach at him. They didn't have to threaten eternal punishment. They didn't have to say, well, you go off and you do this, this, and this first, and then come back. And we'll tell you what you need to do to be saved. All they did was invite the presence and power of God into their situation through praying and singing, and God did the rest. And the jailer comes in, and he's thinking, okay, I've got to do something, right? The jailer was looking for a formula. And isn't that what most of us want to do? We want to look for what we can do to be saved. Okay, okay, I'll just get my life together, and then God will love me and accept me. Okay, I just need to read my Bible every day for a half hour for a month, and then God will love me and accept me. I just need to do this and this and this, and that's what many religions will teach you, that it's what you do to be saved. But Paul and Silas did not say that to him. What did they say to the jailer? They answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole family. The good news says the work of salvation has already been done. It's done. You don't have to do anything to earn salvation. (laughs) And anyone here today who believes that is being lied to by the enemy. You do not have to do anything to earn. It is not through works so that you can't boast like I did this to be saved and you are not as good as me. Do more like me and you will be saved. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. He just says, here, take it. What do you do when someone gives you a gift? If it's birthday, if it's Christmas, do you say, oh, no, I'm not good enough for that. No, no, thank you. I can't receive that. No, let me go and clean myself up, and then I'll come back and get the gift that you're giving me. Let me get things right in my life, and then I'll accept your gift. No, for most of us, it's like, thank you. Thank you for that gift. And that's what God wants us to do. He offers you the gift of salvation. It's free. And all you have to do is believe. Romans 10:9 says that if you if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's all you have to do. Believe that he is Lord. He is raised from the dead, and you will be saved. And that's what's happening with those who are being baptized today. Each person who is baptized has made that declaration of faith, and that's the first thing that needs to happen. You need to make a declaration of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to receive his free gift of salvation before you are baptized. And with belief comes repentance. And so when I'm talking about belief and repentance, they're the same side of the flip coin, okay? It's not like, well, I'll believe and then I'll repent. I believe or I'll repent. It's not either or, they're the same side. Because those who truly believe will repent Because when you truly believe, you're actually going to change your direction. Because you were going this way, and now you're saying, I believe you are, Lord. You are turning and going this way. You are repenting of the way and the life you were leading going this way, and you're turning and going this way. What does it mean to believe? It means to trust, to commit, to rely on. Belief is not just here. It's actually here. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ starts in your mind, but it needs to transform your heart. And when it's true belief, it will. And then it says, then they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and all his family. I want to just go back really quick and say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your family. I just want to bring some teaching there. It's not saying that through the jailer's salvation, his family is saved. That's not how it works. Each member of that jailer's family has to, had to make the same decision to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For some of you here, you grew up in church. You went to Sunday school. Your mom was saved. Your dad was saved. Your grandma, your grandpa. And so you've just kind of followed in their footsteps. But you have never yourself made that decision and that confession of faith. And you must. Because their salvation cannot save you. It is only through Jesus that you can be saved. And so that belief and that confession must come from your own lips and your own heart. And when you do, you will be saved. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's nothing added to it. It's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so we we believe and we allow Jesus to become our Savior, our Master, and our King. And then look what happened. Even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds. This is what the jailer did. He washed their wounds. They were beaten before they got into prison. And at that point, the jailer didn't care. He kicked them into the middle of the jail and locked them up. But something happens when you choose to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. A heart transformation happens. And something happened in that moment When that jailer encountered the power, the presence, and the unconditional love of the Father, the hardness of his heart just crumbled. You know like the Grinch? His heart grew bigger. That's exactly what happened. His heart grew with the love of the Father. His heart of flesh and stone became, sorry, his heart of stone became a heart of flesh. That's right. And that's what happened. And here he is washing the wounds of these prisoners. And the next thing that happened was he and his whole family were baptized. It happened immediately. It happened right after. It's not something they decided to do years later. It's not something that they, Paul and Silas said, wait till we come back through next time and we'll baptize you. It happened right then. And I believe sometimes in the church we have it a little weird. and I, Maybe we should just have a tank up here every Sunday. Right? Because what should happen is once you, you, get, you give your life to Jesus and you make that confession of faith, the next step is water baptism. It's what you see. See, Paul and Silas, well, how did the jailer know to get baptized? Well, I believe Paul and Silas were preaching to him what Peter was preaching all around in the book of Acts. Peter was saying, repent and return to God, and each one of you must be baptized. The first step, though, before water baptism is a confession of faith and repentance. You can't have it the other way. And when we look at the word baptism, I looked it up, and it's the word baptizo, and it means immersion. And that is why we believe in immersing someone in water fully. And I was reading, and I, I saw an illustration. I thought it was really cool. A lot of you know that I grew a garden this summer, and it I did pretty good. I was quite pleased with myself. I learned a lot, and I'm going to do it again, and yeah and I also got into I feel like um Martha Stewart got into canning. Mm-hmm. I'd never done it before, And so one of the things you can do when you're canning is pickle things, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, to be quite honest, I don't like pickles, <laughs> like I hate vinegar, but I did it because I know Jeff likes it, and my kids and I gave some to Taylor anyway. Um, but you take this cucumber, right? You harvest a cucumber from your garden and you put it into the vinegar solution. And so that's the first step, right? Baptism. We're putting you in water. The second thing, though, that as that um, cucumber goes into the vinegar solution, is it is immersed. It is transformed. That That cucumber is no longer that crunchy, watery, you know, mild-tasting vegetable, it becomes a pickle. It's totally transformed as it is immersed in that solution. And that's exactly what is happening when you are being baptized. You are being immersed. You are being immersed in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Because that's what Jesus told us to do, right? In Matthew 28, that was one of his last instructions to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why would he say all that? Well, God gave Jeff this revelation, so I'm going to give, I'm, I'm preaching kind of, because Jeff kind of told me what he was speaking on, so I took a bit from him, that God just revealed to them that you, you are actually being immersed into all of the Father, okay? So the first thing, you're being immersed into all who God is, and who is he? He's Abba. He's Adonai. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's Christos. He's the God of knowledge. He's the God most high. He's the everlasting God. He's the creator. He's the great I am. He's the Yahweh Jirah. He's the Lord who'll provide. He's the banner. He's the Lord is your peace. Like you are being baptized into all who God is. You're being immersed. Then you're being immersed into all who Jesus is. And who is Jesus? He's the rock. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's Emmanuel. He's Mighty God. He's Counselor. He's the Lamb of God. He's the King of Kings. He's the Word of God. You are being immersed into all who Jesus is. And thirdly, you're being immersed into Holy Spirit. And who is Holy Spirit? Well, He is your comforter. He is your teacher. He is your power source. He is your guide. And so when we go down, this isn't just, it's symbolic, sure, but this is a a spiritual transformation that takes place as you go down. This isn't just a ritual to say, oh, yeah, you got baptized. You are being immersed. This will bring transformation to your life. This will bring transformation to your family. This will bring transformation to generations after you. And I must say, when I, I think, <laughs> many of you know my, my testimony here, and I just, it, it just bugs me now to look back. If I could go back, I'd change it all. But baptism, when I was young, I can't remember it being spoken about very often. And maybe I didn't have a good understanding of what it was, because I just didn't get baptized until I was like 30-some years old. Yeah. I was a pastor's wife. Not that that should mean anything. I'm just me. But we were in ministry, and, it, and I don't know if I had that revelation of what was happening as I was going under that water, of being immersed into everything, that God is our Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, all three, the three-in-one, the Trinity. And so today, what is water baptism? Water baptism is, one, obedience. We are being obedient. We are following Jesus. Jesus is our example, is he not? And Jesus was baptized, though he had no sin. Think about that. He had no sin, and yet he willingly went to John the Baptist and said, baptize me. And when he was baptized, he came out of the water, and the Father spoke, and Holy Spirit came down. And the three were together. So number one is a step of obedience. And you know what? I said this last time I spoke. A lot of times we look at Jesus' teachings, and we take them as suggestions. We look at them as like, hmm. Jesus is like, maybe you want to do this. Maybe you want to do that. You might want to try it. But that's not how he spoke, ever. He spoke, do this, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, deny yourself, take up your cross. They were commands. And he gives us a choice, though, right? He doesn't strong-arm us and do it or else. No, he, just, he tells us, and then he gives us a choice. But in that choice, if we choose not to follow his commands, it's disobedience. It's not just a choice I made. It's disobedience. That was the one thing that struck me when I was like 30. And I'm like, I can't get baptized now. What will everybody think about me? It was like th- so so silly that thought. But it came to me that I'm being disobedient. I'm being disobedient. And there's something that causes something between me and him. And I don't want that anymore. And so I made the choice to get baptized. Number two, it's a public proclamation. These people who are getting baptized today are publicly proclaiming to you and to the angelic realm and the hosts of heaven who are watching that I am deciding to follow Jesus. I am declaring my love and obedience to him, and I am immersing myself into everything that God has for my life. And number th- three, we are identifying with Christ in his death and his resurrection. So as you go down today, as you are being immersed, you are putting to death your old man. It's a symbol of putting to death the old you, and you are coming up resurrected and new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And now it's a choice going forward. Are you going to live out that new man? Right? We walk out. We continue to grow. We continue to mature in what it means to be immersed into everything of who God is, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and we're going to get ready. And so I, before we get into baptism, I just want to give opportunity. If there is someone here who has never before said, I believe in you, Jesus, has never before made that confession of faith with their own mouth, I want to give you opportunity to do so today. It's so important. It will change your life. I, I just, I, I know it. It's changed mine. How do I know it? I've seen it change so many other people. Like, whew, who they were and who they are, wow. Transforming work. But it starts with a confession of faith, believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead. And so I wanna give that opportunity to anyone this morning who has not done that. And so I just ask that you raise your hand. I know we make it so private, but it's, a, it's, a, it's not. We're so thrilled. Heaven has a party when someone comes to know Jesus. And so if there's anyone here, I just ask you to raise your hand. Then I want to give opportunity for those who have made that commitment to Jesus but have not followed him in obedience to be baptized. What are you waiting for? That's what I ask myself when I think back. What was I waiting for? Why didn't I do it? I don't live with regrets because that's not what God wants us to do. But what are you waiting for? If you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior and you've repented, the next step is why?